Well, we started this series last week, this uncommon sense. And as we started this series, we, we revealed it's really about having this wisdom in life. And when it comes to having this wisdom in life, that wisdom is understanding things from God's viewpoint. That, that when we can begin to see things and understand them from, from how God sees them, then that's going to give us this wisdom to be able to live out what, what God is showing from his point of view. That wisdom is this rightly applying knowledge. It's rightly applying the information, the data that's available to us. And when we rightly apply that, that we have wisdom. But yet what we see is we see that it's, it's pride in ourself is what minimizes our willingness to follow God's wisdom. But yet when we trust God, trusting him, it maximizes our willingness to follow his wisdom. And so we have choices that we have to make. You know, there's an old saying, knowledge is power. How many of you guys have heard that one before, right? Knowledge is power. And so, so we've heard this, and, and, and when we think about this, that we can apply it to several areas of our life. Because when there's somebody that has knowledge that we don't have, we, we tend to rely on them. Whether that's somebody that would be a, a medical expert, whether that's somebody that is a repair person because you don't have the knowledge to fix something that, that you need fixed, whether that's a, a mentor, whether that's a spiritual guide. But, but when somebody has knowledge that we don't have, we do, we, we tend to lean into them because we are looking for them to do something that we haven't been able to figure out on our own. However, when knowledge becomes commonplace, it's not so powerful anymore. That when, when everybody has the same knowledge, it just doesn't have the same power that it once held. And there was a time when knowledge in and of itself, that, that knowledge really was quite powerful. But because now knowledge, the internet has made knowledge so accessible and, and it's portable. We, we get to carry knowledge in our pockets and, and, and we can look something up. And, and many of us have done this, right? That we're out somewhere, we're doing a little bit of shopping. There might even be a salesperson involved and, and we can't wait to break away. We can't wait for him to go talk to the manager because we want to pull out our little data computer. We, we, we want to be able to see, hey, is what he telling me right? Is that really a fair price? Because I need to know. And that, I mean, I want to compare where can I get? And, and, and we do because, because knowledge is power. And, and now you and I have, we, we have knowledge available to us that we just haven't had before, like we've never seen. And, and when I think about the internet and I think about this, this, this power that we have, I think that we've seen something just really just, just kind of take off the last decade. And what we've seen take off the last decade is we have more people that are DIY people than ever before. Okay, do it yourself. DIY, you, you can do it yourself. And, and, and one of the places that, that is our go-to for, for our do-it-yourself people, YouTube, right? That, that we just, we, we, we go to YouTube and, and we learn to do things that, that we go, I, I, I was just missing this piece. I really just didn't understand this. And, and so I, I can tell you that um, about six, eight months ago, my YouTube viewing really just took off. And, and I just started watching YouTube a whole lot more than what I, what I ever would have ever imagined myself doing. And, and as I'm watching it, 
I keep getting this little ad from YouTube popping up that, that says free. And, and, and it's free. And, and, it, and, and if you guys watch YouTube, you know what I'm talking about. Because you, you, right when you're watching and you're starting to get somewhere and you know that you're getting that information you want, and you're, boom, an ad pops up. And now you got to watch something for 15 seconds or 30 seconds. And, and then you continue watching and you're getting your groove. And okay, yeah, that, and then boom, another ad pops, you know, and it just does it, right? Well, well, well YouTube themselves is one of those advertisers. And, and what I was noticing is they were advertising and saying, you can try ad free YouTube with a free trial. And I'm like, um, I'm not interested in your free trial because my information is worth more than just seven free days to you, right? I mean, at least that's what I tell myself, that, that my information, you know, it's worth more than just seven free days. And so I just wouldn't pay that much attention to it. I kept, kept dismissing it. But the more I kept watching YouTube, then this thing kept popping up, the more I found myself getting frustrated with getting interrupted by these ads. And so one of those days I decided, it was, it was late last year in December, I decided let me just read what that has. And as I read it, it wasn't just a seven-day trial. It was 10 weeks. And I went, now I'm not willing to give you my information for seven days, but 70 days? And, and I can watch 70 days of YouTube with no commercial interruptions and I can do that for free? I mean, I'm not just gonna get minutes back of my life. I'm going to get hours with the amount of YouTube that I've been finding myself watching. And so I went and signed up. And when I'm signing up, one of the things that they required from me was my payment information because they were going to start charging me instantly at the end of my 70 days. Now, those of you guys that know me, you're not gonna be surprised by this, but the very next thing that I did after signing up for my free 70 days is I opened up my calendar and I put two words, cancel YouTube. And I did that and, and it was, I actually went back and looked it up on my calendar because it's there. February 27th, cancel YouTube. I gave myself some wiggle room because March 1, they were going to start charging me, right? So I wanted an extra day to make sure I could get that done, right? And so that's so what I did. And, and so I'm like, I'm just going to enjoy this for this period. And I would be telling different friends, hey, I'm doing ad-free YouTube right now. It's really cool. It, it's, I'm, I'm on a free trial. I'm not going to pay for it. It's 18 bucks. It's not worth 18 bucks to me. But I'm just going to ride it out because I, I get 70 days. Well, wouldn't you know? At the end, my, my, my alarm pops up. Actually, on the 26th, I tell myself, hey, remind me a day ahead of time, you know. And so on the 26th, I know I'm supposed to be canceling YouTube. 26th of February, and I'm like going, I don't know that I want to cancel this. I really like watching this with, with no ads interrupting what I want to be watching. And, 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 and I just started thinking that the Alphabet who owns Google and Google who owns YouTube, that they had knowledge. And this is where knowledge is powerful. Knowledge is powerful when you have access to knowledge that other people don't. That's when it's powerful. And, and they had the knowledge of 
how many days do we have to give this away for free in order to hook them to where they're going to beg us to give us $18 so that they don't have to watch the ads? And, and, and wouldn't you know, they have figured it out that they are going to get more people switching over to being a paid subscriber because they're willing to give away 70 days. And, and they got me hooked. They did because, because they had this wisdom is rightly applying knowledge. And, and, and they were able to go, hey, we look and we see, we give somebody two weeks and, and after two weeks, they're not paying for it. We can give somebody a month, and after a month, they're still not paying for it. We can give them two months, and it's still not. We give them a little more than two months. And that's when we start seeing more and more and more paying for it. So they say they did a wise thing. They, they rightly applied knowledge. And that's what we've been looking at, is we've been looking at what can we do to make sure that we are rightly applying knowledge in our lives. And so today... We're going to continue with this uncommon sense, and we're going to talk about dangerous, in quotes, dangerous friends. Now, now friends, they, they come in all shapes and sizes. We get workplace friends, we get neighborhood friends, we get lifelong friends, we get schoolmate friends, we get friends that are part of our family and extended family that they become our friends. We get these new friends, we get best friends, that they come in all shapes and sizes. When, when it comes to friends, that we have friends that are temporary friends, we have friends that they are true to life friends, we end up getting some friends that are toxic friends. They, they, they do, they, they come in, in all shapes and sizes. And so when we think about this, we, we, we need to be identifying something when it comes to friendships. That, that, that all of us know this. We are living in a time where more and more people, that the thing that they are lacking is genuine friendship. That, that, that what people are lacking more than any other time in history and in society is having some deep, genuine friendships. And, and maybe you're here and you're going, that, that's not me, and maybe you're the exception. And that's great if you are. But for so many, this is where they find themselves, that they're lacking these meaningful friendships now more than any other time in history. In fact, there's been some research on this, that doctors and social scientists, that they are concerned about our lack of community. That this lack of, of connectedness that we would have with others. And experts are, are calling what our society is experiencing the loneliness epidemic. And this wasn't birthed out of the global pandemic. This was actually a problem before our global pandemic, that we are living in a time we are more lonely now than what we have ever been in history. There's some studies out there that have some fascinating data and information. Cigna has done a study and the BBC has done a study. And as they've done these studies that Cigna, they 
researched and interviewed over 20,000 people. BBC had 55,000 people in, in their research and what they were doing and studying and trying to figure out where, where are we when it comes to living on this planet and, and, and where are we when it comes to connectedness and community with others. And so they did their studies independently of each other, within months of each other, but yet they came to the same conclusion. And that conclusion is that there is a gap between one's desired social relationships and the actual social relationships that we do have. There's this gap between what we desire to experience and what we are actually experiencing. And, and, and that gap was measured and, and they, they discovered, especially Cigna, who was, was focused on America, that they discovered that 61% of Americans are lonely. 61%. Across the board, three out of five Americans are lonely. The three out of five, they feel isolated and that they, they, they look and they go, my, my relationships aren't as meaningful as what I need them to be. And that 61% is just the, the average across the board. But, but when you start looking at age groups, the younger you are, the worse it is. That, that for millennials, those born in 1980 to 1996, that, that for them, that, that, that it's worse than 61%. That, that when you look at Gen Z, who's born in 1997 through 2012, like today it would be 10 to 25-year-olds, Generation Z, that what they found with Generation Z is that they were at the highest level of loneliness, 79%. Some of you are, are parents in, in this, of this age group. Maybe you're in here and you're in this age group listening to this, 10 to 25-year-olds, that four out of five are lonely, that they lack having meaningful in-person interaction on a daily basis. And they crave it and they want it, but they just aren't finding it. And so age plays a role, but age isn't the only thing that plays a role. The sex plays a role in this as well. And, and men, men are more lonely than women. That's what they found in their study, that, that, that loneliness, it, it actually increases uh, a premature death by 50%, whether it's emotional health issues or, or physical health issues, that, that loneliness, it increases the, the premature death by up to 50%. And, and what they've discovered is they've looked and they see, the studies show there's a direct link to the amount of time that we spend on social media and the, the amount of loneliness and isolation that we end up feeling that the more time we spend on social media, the more lonely we begin to feel as a society. And what's interesting is historically, we are more connected now than at any other time in history. But yet we are more lonely now than at any other time in history. We're more connected, but yet we fail to be connecting and having meaningful relationships. And if you're feeling lonely, you aren't alone. That a majority of people are feeling this way. So how do, how do, you, how do you overcome loneliness? And I, and I think a way that you overcome loneliness 
It's through friendships. But, but what kind of friendships? Because not, not just a casual friendship, that's not going to do it. And not just a digital friendship, that's not going to do it. And so we're going to look at Proverbs because as we're looking through this uncommon sense and gaining some wisdom, even Proverbs, Solomon, King Solomon who's writing this, he knows the value of, of having the kind of relationships that's really going to make a difference in our lives. So we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 27. We're going to look at these four verses, four, five, and six, and see what Solomon had to say. Again, he's, he's writing his son. He's really wanting to just pour this wisdom into his son. Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming. This idea of the, the fury, this resentment that we end up having. But who can stand before jealousy? The, the, when you look at this, the anger, it, it intentionally hurts people. The resentment, it ends up overwhelming people. And then jealousy, it just kind of cuts us off at the knees. And, and the wise person will not allow anger and resentment and jealousy to consume them. And Solomon, he's writing this and, and, he, and he's sharing these things. And so let's look at this verse five. He says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. You might see that, read that with me, hear that and go, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Well, I want you to understand that these words are coming in the context of friendship. That when you hear these words, better is open rebuke than hidden love. It's coming from a place of friendship. And rebuke is, is correction. And there's this offering, this rebuke, offering this correction. We, we like correction because that's a lot more friendly, right, in our society than, than to say rebuke. Hey, I, I want to I rebuke you. you know, we don't want to like hearing that. But, but hey, I've got a thought that this might correct. And we're, we're a little more open to that way of thinking. And see, it, it's better to be publicly corrected than for nobody to say anything at all. That's what Solomon is writing here. It's, it, it, it's better is open rebuke than hidden love. If something is seen and yet never said, that's hidden love. And I think we also find ourselves hiding our love now more so than ever. Because see, we're afraid. We're afraid if we see something and we, and we go to say something that we're going to get crucified. That, that, that you're not willing to receive what, what I want to say. And so we just dismiss it. And we go, well, well you know, that, that, that's just who you are. That, that's just what you're like. And we're not going to change anything. And so, so we, don't, we, we hide our love. We hide actually sharing something that would be beneficial, sharing what, what would really help somebody because we all have blind spots, don't we? That we, we all have blind spots. We don't see things about ourselves and, and the way we're acting, the way we're behaving. We don't see the way that we end up hurting other people. And we've got blind spots. And what we need is we need people that are going to openly rebuke, that they're going to openly step up and, and say something and, and publicly share with us what is a blind spot to us or what we don't know and understand about ourselves. Let me ask you this question. It's rhetorical, but, but what's the purpose of hidden love? Let me say it this way. What's the value of hidden love? 
because there's really not much purpose there. There's really not much value there. That, that Solomon said when we're choosing a friend, that, that what we need to do is pick someone who will speak into our life. Pick somebody who's not just gonna constantly defend you, but, but pick somebody that, that is brave enough and loving enough to call out what they say. And that this is what we need to do because when we pick somebody that's just always gonna pick our side, that they're not gonna share what's in our best interest because they're just gonna be focused on what's the best interest of the relationship instead of what's in your best interest. And if we're not careful, we're just gonna settle for friendships that's all about protecting the relationship and they never will try to protect us and speak into our lives, share what it is that we don't know that speaking honestly is more loving than remaining silent. And some of us need to be pretty receptive to this kind of love. Some of us need to bust a move and, and do this kind of love. And yet there's some people that you might be going, I love like that all the time, Will. <laughs> well, maybe you need to taper that one back then. Okay? That, that shouldn't be the only thing that people are hearing from you. And so we need to understand this, that speaking honestly is more loving than remaining silent because it's easy to be guilty of remaining silent. In fact, I'm gonna participate, since we've all been kind of showing our hands this morning. How many of us have been guilty of just kind of holding it in instead of sharing what we see? Anybody besides me? Yeah. And when we do that, what Solomon is telling us, we're hiding our love. We're hiding our love. And we shy away from speaking up because we don't want to hurt the relationship. We, we, we shy away because we think, well, that's going to hurt them. And if I hurt them, it's going to hurt our relationship. So what do we do? We just, we just stay quiet. We just... Mom's the word. We just zip it up. Now, some of us don't do that. We go, I'm just not gonna openly speak to you about this. But I'm gonna go share with somebody else what I see about you. But I'm never gonna give you the courtesy because I'm gonna hide my love from you and I'm not gonna tell you. Instead, I'm just gonna go talk about you instead of tell you. Sometimes we just write it off, right? And we don't do anything. But then there's other times that we don't write it off. And what do we do? We just end up getting angry and we feel very hurt and we begin to just isolate ourselves because we go, you know what? I, that friendship is a toxic friendship and I don't want to be around. So I'm just going to isolate myself. And when we isolate, we can easily turn that into insulate. And then we find ourselves being one of the three out of five people that we go, I'm lonely. And I don't have meaningful friendship. I, I don't have this, this daily connection with, with meaningful people that I interact with. And so Solomon, he put it this way in verse six. 
wounds from a friend can be trusted. Don't equate wounds from a friend to be the same as wounds from an enemy. These are different. And we can't trust wounds from an enemy. So I'm not really on social media. I mean, I have accounts, and, but I don't get on there and do things. Every once in a while, my email alerts me to something, and I go, oh, let me go see that, and I'll make a comment. But it's just a blue moon. I, I'm just, I just don't get on social media. But, but I do know this about social media. This is one of the places where we get introduced to more enemies than any other place in life, in social media. And, and we don't really call them enemies in social media. We, we have a different term for them. We call them trolls. Right? And they're just trolling and they look for an opportunity to pounce and they're just typing away, getting their thumbs, they're getting their workout, right? And so they're going, man, I got the strongest thumbs in the world, you know? And because they're trolls and they're just constantly beating others up. They're constantly wounding people. But do not equate what Solomon's saying here, this, this wounds from a friend can be trusted to wounds from an enemy can be trusted. Because wounds from an enemy, they cannot be trusted. But from a friend, they can. The enemies want to harm us for the sake of hurting us. Same thing, trolls want to hurt us for the, for harm us for the sake of hurting us. And friends are willing to hurt us for the sake of helping us. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. And there is a wound that we should trust. I have a friend, his name's Jay, and, and several months ago, he ended up hurting his leg. He actually was working on a deck and he fell through the deck and, and, and he hurt his leg and, and he likes to cycle, get out and bike. And, and so he hasn't been biking and, and he's just been limping along and, 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 and his leg has just been telling him that it's in pain and it's hurting and he can't do much. And <clears throat> so he finally listened to the pain of his leg and he went to the doctor. And this is just a few weeks ago. And so he went to the doctors and, and he found out that he's got a broken tibula. He'd been walking around on this thing for five plus months, just hobbling and hurting and, and not doing what, what he wanted to be doing. And, and, and so when I, when I think about this, that, that what did he do? That, that, that he, he reached the point where he was listening to the wound. And see, at first he was dismissing it which is what we might tend to do when it comes to these words that end up wounding us. You know, because at first I think he's just going, uh, leg, you're just out to get me. I'm, I'm not gonna listen to you. Leg, you, you just don't want me cycling, and so shut up, I'm not gonna listen to you. Leg, you're just telling me I'm getting old, and I don't wanna hear that, I'm not that old. And he was just dismissing it, and he just kept moving along with his life while he was hobbling along. But when he finally took the time to listen, to his leg. He went to the doctor and he was able to see and understand what the real problem is, that this wound that he has. And, and now he's having surgery to be able to fix his leg. So when we think about this, 
We need to be willing to listen to, to the wounds of our friends. We, we need to listen to, to what it is that they have to say that, that might hurt when we first hear it. We need friends like these, friends that wound us. We need friends like these in our life. We, we need friends that have our best interest, not just the best interest of the relationship, but that friends that actually have our best interest. You know you have a friend that has your best interest when they confront you or as Solomon would say, rebuke, when they confront you and you have a friend that says something like, your family just doesn't seem to be the priority in life that they should be. And that would hurt. That would hurt, that'd be a major <clears throat> ouch in our life. When you have a friend that looks at you and says, I think you're being selfish. And especially in the context when they're not talking about themselves. They're talking about a you and in an interaction with others. I think you're being selfish. Ouch. And that wounds and that hurts. When they say, I think you have a blind spot, <clears throat> a friend that, that starts out by saying, you're too important to me for me to not say what I know is going to hurt you. You're too important to me for me to not say what's gonna hurt you. See, that's a friend that says, my love's not gonna be hidden from you. I'm gonna show you my love. And when you have a friend you trust, trust their corrective words when they wound you. And if we don't have somebody like this in our life, then we're not going to become a better person. We need these kind of friends in our life. The, the nuggets of wisdom, what they will often do is they will threaten our pride. When somebody goes, hey, I'm, I'm gonna share this, there's some wisdom with you, and, and, because it's gonna threaten our pride and we've gotta be willing to receive that. And a great friend will deliberately wound us to rescue us. Deliberately wound us to rescue us. You know, growing up, my parents <clears throat> would discipline me. And when they would discipline me, and they believed in corporal punishment. And so when, when, when they would go to spank me, on a, on a rare occasion, maybe use a belt and never out of hand, but, but, but they would discipline me and my, my parents and both of them would do this to me. They would say this right before they would discipline me. Son, this is gonna hurt me more than it hurts you. Now, now my little eight-year-old average intellect really couldn't understand what they were saying. In fact, as an eight-year-old, the only thing going through my mind was, well, don't hurt yourself on my account. <laughs> right? 
I mean, you, you, you don't need to hurt you. you know, if this is going to hurt you more, then don't, because I don't, I don't want you to hurt. But that's what happens when we really care about others, that, that, that there will be this, I, I'm going to intentionally wound you to rescue you. That, that <clears throat> wounds, that applying correction, that they, they hurt the one inflicting the pain. And it's why some of us, that we shy away from being the kind of friend that others need because we're going, to, this is going to hurt me too much for me to speak up and, and say that I see something in your life that I'm not sure it's really what it should be. And, and so we don't, we don't say it because we go, that's going to inflict pain on me just as much, if not more, than how much it's going to hurt you. And so the rest of verse six, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Now that might be hard to understand as well. The kind of person that constantly tells you, you're awesome, you're incredible, you're amazing, and they never point to your character flaws. They are dangerous to you. They're just multiplying the kisses. And they're dangerous to you because they're not willing to speak up. The person who coddles your sensitive ego, they are dangerous to you. That the kind of person who will only pat you on the back, they are dangerous to you. And anyone who values your feelings over the truth, they're dangerous to you. And we need to be careful about inviting others into our life that are gonna be truly dangerous to you. They're, they're, they're telling you everything is fine when it's not. And they are dangerous to you. And when rightly applied, the actions mentioned by Solomon here, they can save your marriage. They can keep you from losing your kids to the resentment that they might hold for the rest of your life if you don't change your path. They can guide you back on track where you need to get back on track. And yet our modern day culture in America, it says the greatest offense is to offend someone. That, that, that is the society that we live in right now, that the greatest offense is offending someone. And we've become so hypersensitive that it's become difficult to be a good friend. That a reliable friend is willing to wound your short-term pride to protect your long-term well-being. And this is the kind of friend that we need. See, what we need is, quote, dangerous friends. We, we, we need friends that are gonna be dangerous to our pride. They're gonna be dangerous to our ego. They're gonna be dangerous to, to our desire to just be paddled on the back or to be coddled. They're gonna be dangerous to all of that. They even might be dangerous to our relationship. 
because they value you more than they value the relationship. And that is a, quote, dangerous friend. And see, it's uncommon sense to have a friend like that. That our culture, it seems to be labeling friends as enemies. The kind of friend that Solomon describes that we need, that, that our culture says, oh no, that, that's an enemy. If, if, if they're not just, just patting your back, if they're not coddling, if they're not lifting you up, that, that, that's an enemy. And yet they're taking enemies and they're labeling them friends. Those people that are really hiding love from you, yeah, those are your friends. That, that's what our society is telling us. Let me finish with this passage. <clears throat> In Psalms 141, verse five. Let a righteous man strike me. That is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. That is oil on my head and my head will not refuse it. And there's this, there's this oil on a head, this act of, of, of loving and caring over somebody. That this act of, of spending something that's precious to you and, and, and you giving that to them, knowing it's gonna cost you to give that to them. That even the psalmist understood this wisdom that Solomon had been writing about. And so you and I, we have a choice to make. That we can choose to, to live a life where you won't allow anybody to offend you. You won't allow anybody in that the moment they, they're dead to you and you cut them off and you're done and boom, and you label them toxic. Or you can allow a select few, not the trolls, but you allow a select few to offend you to wound you with the intent to rescue you. That is a, quote, dangerous friend. And we all need friends like that who care enough about us to deliver the hard truth that we weren't even asking to hear. That's what we need. And dangerous friends, they wound our pride. Dangerous friends, they, they tell us what we don't want to hear. But dangerous friends have our best interest in mind. And when you get that kind of friendship, you stop feeling so lonely because you realize there's somebody who cares that much about you. They're not willing to leave you on a destructive path. That's what we need. So I want to ask you a question. Who do you need to give permission to wound you? Who do you need to give permission to wound you. Because if you don't have that person, you need to identify that person 
and you need to give them because some of them are going, I've seen some things, but I didn't know you're willing to hear some of those things. And I tried once before and you weren't willing. And so I've stopped. Who do you need to give permission to wound you? It's a select few that you need to identify so that you can have a quote, dangerous friend who's really there to help you. Pray with me. God, you certainly know where where we are at individually. You know where we're at as a society. But you know where every individual, everybody hearing this message, whether they're listening online, whether they're sitting here in the room, you know where they're at when it comes to this feeling of of loneliness, this this isolation, and and maybe even leading all the way to, to insulation. I pray that you would do something in our own heart and our own lives that that we would welcome we would welcome the people that that love us enough to wound us. I pray that where we might need to connect with somebody like that, I pray that you would help us make that connection. God, where we already have that connection, I pray that we really would be willing to give permission. God, for anybody listening, God, I if they're taking this message and they're giving themselves permission to be a troll and just constantly go out and wound, God, I pray that you would convict them to where we would really understand the heart of the wisdom that Solomon was sharing. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.